listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Hey, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. We've got a special show today. We've got some ideas that are really going to push the envelope in terms of what's normal in law firms. If you're in a business development role, you got to listen to this. If you're in any sort of professional services as well, this is still going to give you some great content because we're picking ideas from various industries today and delivering it to you in action steps that can help your professional services organization grow your practices. Our guest today is Brenda Pontiff. She's a Six Sigma-trained, client-facing business development executive, bringing big four sales strategies to global law firms. She's a managing principal of Partner Track Academy and provides management consulting as well as sales coaching and workshop facilitation to help individual lawyers as well as law firms improve client satisfaction while increasing revenue. Brenda is also the Senior Marketer Liaison for the Los Angeles Steering Committee of the Legal Marketing Association. I know you're going to get some great ideas out of this. By the way, if you enjoy this podcast, two things I want to ask. One of them is give a good five-star review wherever you hear this podcast, if it's on Apple Podcasts or some of the other ones. Secondly, if you know of any potential guests, people that are authors of books on client development, professional speakers and consultants, please let me know. My email is scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. I'd love to get an introduction to them. Anyways, thanks for listening, and I hope you get a lot of great ideas from the show today. Hey, everyone, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Today, our guest is Brenda Pontiff, and we're talking about the business development checklist. Is your firm providing a robust platform? Brenda, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. This is great. I'm excited to have you here. I have a bona fide performer. You are a theater major, and everybody knows that theater majors and law firm client development have a lot of similarities, right? How did you make your transition? How did you get started? on your path to professional services uh, business development? Just lucky, I guess. I had finished up my graduate degree in theater and speech. You know, I, got, I had a dual degree. Uh, my parents said, get that communications degree as well so you have something to fall back on. Right. right. Um, and invariably, you always fall back on it. <laughs> but I returned back to Texas. I was going to grad school in Kansas, returned back to the Houston area and, you know, needed a job. I knew I was going to pursue comedy and writing and acting in Houston, but mm-hmm. certainly needed finances to help me and wound up getting a paralegal job at Vincent and Elkins. And then quickly moved into sales because my partner in charge saw that I had a little, you know, I had a personality and, mm-hmm. and very ambitious. And so he uh, leveraged that. So That's great. Yeah. And so tell us from your perspective and, and tell everybody a little bit about what you do. What does your company do and what are sort of the things that you specialize in? Sure. Uh, Partner Track Academy does a couple of things. I formed it really because I saw a need for senior associates to get extra help in, in determining how they're going to, to make partner. When everybody says, well, you're wonderful, you're great at servicing the client, but you need to learn how to bring in a book of business. And then they look around and there's really no one at the firm that can really help them do that. Right. Um, usually the marketing department is very focused on branding and visibility, and they don't usually have a sales background. So who's going to provide them this real sales coaching? Additionally, Partnership Academy does a lot of management consulting work. Like I go into large firms 
and I audit their business development process and I help them create a sales process. And of course, I speak at retreats and things like that as well. That's great. So let me talk about this for a little bit. Mm -hmm. We'll kind of go really deeper into the topic. Business development. If you look at, let's say, a partner that is a successful partner in his or her firm and within your company, you teach people how to how to get there. You work with partners, you work with firms. If you were looking at, besides being a good lawyer, the two areas that somebody needs to excel in, one of them is being able to generate business and the other one is leadership skills, being able to get along with people. And funny, I was at a, at a conference about a year and a half ago and there was a, a dean of a very successful law school. And he gave a presentation and I, and I stood up, raised my hand and I said, my name's Scott Love, I do partner level recruiting and a successful partner. And I mentioned what I just said with you has good leadership skills and good client development skills. What is, those are the two areas they need to win in. What do you do to solve for that? And there just wasn't a good answer. Why do you think that's just something that's not really taught in law schools? You know, I do see some law schools starting to add to their curriculum things like, you know, marketing, which is which is not business development, but they're starting to think about some of these things. And I, I don't know, I don't think they think it's important. And maybe historically it wasn't so important because if you signed up and you were connected to a really wonderful, well-credentialed firm, you didn't have to work that hard to go That's out. Right. That's right. It came to you. And now the world is so competitive. And as we see the big four in Europe really getting into legal services, and that may happen over here eventually, and they really know how to service clients. And of course, you have the development now of the legal marketing director internally at these big corporations who's in charge of legal mm-hmm. ops. It's just getting more and more competitive. And so you not only have to be a great lawyer, you have to, um, it's not just about getting the business, it's keeping the business and servicing them in such a way that they feel like they're getting real value. That's a great, that's a great line. It's not about getting the business. It's not just about that. It's about keeping mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And people forget that. I have, I have walked into many a senior partner's office at various places and seen this very you know high fee earner sitting there with a pen going over a document. And I would not see that in a big four firm. I would not see a high-level senior partner uh, working on a document. He, he would be in an advisory role. You know, we can still harness your knowledge and your your experience in an advisory role and let someone else take care of the details because that will save the client money. They may think it's like, oh, I need to be, I need to have my hands in this. And not really, not really. You really want to help the client in in a more efficient way. So let's kind of talk about this, the contrast between law firms and accounting firms. And the people listening to the show work in different types of professional services, mostly law firms. But Uh how do you think the BD departments, the business development departments differ between a law firm and an accounting firm? Well, first of all, accounting firms have varied resources. An accounting firm differentiates between marketing and sales. And often law firms do not. Law firms often don't even have a sales process, an agreed upon sales process. So once you have a sales process in place, which means we have a way to target, we have a way to uh, look at the competitive landscape and determine, is this business that we even want? Uh, Then you have the resources in place that help warm up those clients, educate those clients, retain those clients. And then you have technology 
that's recording all of this. You know, who worked on this project? What did we charge? What were the, you know, you get to know the client uh, better through technology. So it's really a huge difference. I mean, it's really night and day from what I've seen because right. law firms are so internally focused. Law firms think that business development is, they keep saying, oh, well, well, we understand marketing is visibility and business development is relationships. I'm like, well, not really. I mean, networking and relationships is part of business development, but business development is really about innovating solutions to help your client. And in order to help your client, you must understand your client comprehensively. Accounting firms are set up to really get to know their clients. Law firms have not gone to the effort to uh, really research the client, understand them comprehensively, and then develop those resources that will that will foster that relationship. So let's just say you were running a big firm and you were in charge of how a law firm would execute in terms of what you just said about understanding the client and providing innovative solutions. What would be some action steps that you would take if you're running a big firm, assuming that you're going to push back against preconceived notions and you're going to kill a few sacred cows and put them on a Texas barbecue? Let's just say that you actually did that and you knew it was going to work and people would be waving the flag, flying behind you saying... Thank you, Brenda, for making this change. We are yes. fighting our preconceived notions. We don't care what other people think about us. Right. What, what would be some action steps that you would take if you were in charge? Right. Well, first of all, you, you've described a, a dream state because there's always uh, professional naysayers. <laughs> These right. firms that, they don't like disruptors. And really, uh, this is about disrupting the process. But first of all, I would hire resources from the big four. I would say, let's look at your marketing department. Oh, and you've got you've got uh, this person working on social media and this person working on proposals, et cetera. But I would steal sales and sales support leadership from the big four to build my marketing department. Wait, hold on um, a second. Then, note, note to self, create business line recruiting business development professionals from accounting firms to law firms. Okay, I got my note down. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's going to be a thing eventually. I think it's going to be a big thing when they realize what these people can bring to them. Secondly, I would say let's let's get leadership to agree upon a sales process. And that sales process is going to be kind of a, a large booklet that, first of all, will be a menu of services. What do we provide to our clients? Secondly, what kind of clients have been profitable in the past? So you have to do some research there. Mm-hmm. And then you get this menu of services and you figure out how you're going to go to market in a innovative way. Mm-hmm. What can we do? You know, say you've got this huge global company you've done a little bit of litigation for. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you know people at that firm. Uh, now you're going to have to figure out what are their needs. They have merger and acquisition needs. They have all kinds of needs. And how can you best service them? So you have to look at your practice group leadership mm-hmm and ask them, what are you doing on a day-to-day basis that I can, a process, and almost like a product, what are you doing that I can lay over to other clients? For instance, um, class action certification, you, well, you get the class action thrown out. You have this great process for that. Well, that may, may have come from a labor and employment guy, but your tort guy can use it too. Right. And for some reason, there's, well, I mean, I know why there's, there's reluctancy to do that, but you have to understand accountants are not at all ashamed of the fact that they've created these processes that they can use over and over again. Now, they may tweak them 
given the client's industry or the client's operations, but they have no shame in saying, we do this all the time. Right. We can save you money because we know what we're doing. And when you think about the fact that the big four are based on, let's come in and help you save money and, and mitigate risk, obviously, and we're going to do it effectively. A law firm is like, the more they bill you, the more they make. So they're not as motivated to come up with these processes or to even brag about the fact that they have these processes and technology in place that make it very easy and efficient. But that's where they need to be focusing on. So you have to have, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, do you think it's historically because of the history of advertising legal services or soliciting, they don't want to be seen as being too salesy in that regard? Uh, That could be part of it. I think that they bristle at the idea that the service they deliver could be a commodity. I think they don't like feeling like that, that it's so special and so specialized that no one else could use it for another project. That's right. And what happens at that point is that when you realize what you have, is it a commodity? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I think it all is based on the narrative that you choose to articulate about what separates you from your competition, what's distinct about you, and then knowing how to communicate that in a way that solves problems on a personal and an emotional level, because you're not selling to an individual, you're selling to a company, but you're really selling to an individual and people do have personal agendas and that's the lens through which they look in making economic buying decisions on behalf of their company. Yes. So I I think that it's an uphill lift, what you're saying. I think it's possible and I know some firms have actually made institutional changes and, and I think you've got to have the right cultural mindset that people are on board with this But I think that when the pain starts, that's when people change. With the crisis of COVID, well, law firms were forced to be innovative. They had no choice and they realized, oh my gosh, look at us. We actually can do this. And so I think when the pain's there, then people will change. And so I think that accounting firms taking over some of the legal landscape coming into the US and doing that, that might be enough. And those early adopters at least philosophically, culturally, can institutionalize some changes. Those are the ones that I think are going to pay off or get get the big payoff. Yes. I think you will really start to see a separation of the real leaders from those that wind up getting bought or you know going out of business. I really do. Yeah. I think it's going to be huge in the next 10 years. So looking at a robust competitive law firm business development department, what do you think are the top three areas that a good competitive law firm BD department can bring to lawyers? First of all, I think it is, you know, having a sales process, a defined booklet. And, you know, ask your CMO, do we have, do we have a playbook? <laughs> I mean, that's, the, that's where it starts. Do we actually have a catalog of all that we do and why we do it? And that is based on what you would call the issue action impact model. You know, what is a, a company's challenges, a potential client, their problems and needs? What are our service solutions? And then track that back to what does this service solution do? How much money can this service solution save you? How does it mitigate risk going forward? How does it benefit your current operations? Now that's, you got to really roll up your sleeves to do that for each and every practice group. That's huge. Secondly, I would say, look at your software, your client relationship management software. Is it just really, you know, a mailing list? Is it one of those things that you're, Partners are supposed to be inputting, oh, I had a call with with Joe at company A today. You know, if that's all it's doing for you, it's not doing enough. You need to be able to, when you have a potential deal on the table, you need to be able to figure out exactly everything you've done for that company, who did it, what rates were charged, what was the result. 
so you need a real sales navigator there at the company. Right. And then what um, else? I would say also determine who in each practice group and each industry area is responsible for innovating services. You know, people get so distracted by the branding and the credentials. And it's like, who actually is sitting down each day thinking about how can we make our clients' lives better? Is that your practice group leader? Are you giving that to somebody in marketing? Is that somebody in administration? Who is that person? And are they meeting on a regular basis? And are they looking at particular clients and saying, hey, we need, you know, or even asking the clients, what is it that you need? And so many firms don't have anybody in charge. They have not, they have not labeled anybody as responsible for that. Right. So let me ask you, have you seen firms do this action step, what you're talking about, this third one here? Yes. I've seen out of the millions of firms that I've seen, I've seen two. (laughs) And and tell me about that. You don't have to mention who they are, but what action steps do they take to create that cultural shift or institutionalize a process? What, What did they actually do to get that result? In both cases, they hired a former big four sales executive. Mm who took them through the client opportunity analysis uh, facilitation. And that really is picking apart a client's operations and doing a huge spreadsheets on what does this client need and working with leadership to say, I'm going to coach these particular, you know, these 12 attorneys who are in charge of various groups and they are going to be, we're going to meet, you know, on a monthly basis to talk about what services you are innovating for this practice group. It really works, but very few of them are doing it. You know, it's funny because I'm sure they think it costs a lot to do that, but it doesn't in terms of the revenue that you will build. That's right. And when you think about what you're paying a, a CMO who is really just responsible for communications and making sure your PR agency is doing their job and the branding, and, and I'm not, all those things are important, but you're spending a lot of money on that and you're spending zero on the innovation side. I mean, that makes no sense. That's right. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's, that's like a net positive within 24 months of tens of millions of dollars net. Absolutely. And the big four figured that out a long time ago. I mean, they figured it out 30 years ago. <laughs> right. So if a firm wants to be ahead of the pack, if they say, we've got the gravitas to be able to make this work, we believe that we can push against what the norms are in terms of the other things we just talked about, mm-hmm. and we can get somebody in place that's really going to, you know, give them a title, a chief, chief sales or chief business development officer or something like that, where they've got mm-hmm. some real internal credibility and political capital and give them some authority where they can really bring those leaders together, create accountability systems, not right. like accountability, like, okay, where's your document? But what can we do to help each other succeed? Have some structure to it. Yes, And then deadlines, because nothing happens unless there's a date. Otherwise, it's on and on and on and on and nothing, nobody takes action. And this is one thing, as I'm rambling out loud with my random thoughts and musings here, <laughs> the, the one area that most law firms fail in is execution, doing things. I've got some clients that are very rare and unique in that area, and they've created processes and protocols structurally that make their execution a point of distinction that I've used in recruiting partners to them. I can say what's different about this firm is that they get things done and this is how it's going to help you. Mm -hmm. And I can see that, boy, if there's somebody that's a law firm leader that takes this concept and runs with it, that's just going to be huge. Yes. But, you know, even, even so, I have spoken to some 
who were trying to go in a different direction and that were really, really, they were, their heart was in the right place. And they might even hire someone from the big four, but they hired someone from the marketing side of the big four world. And I'm like, no, that's not, that's not really going to help you out. I'm sure that person's great and they're going to be wonderful to work with the CMO, but they're not going to bring you a sales process because that's not what they did at the big four. You know, they, they were two distinct departments. They worked together. That's so right. it's really understanding the difference between those resources. And I mean, it's just like sometimes talking to a wall. I'm like, you understand these are two different things. Right. These are two different skill sets completely. Let me kind of talk about this concept of uh, marketing and BD professionals. Let's talk about how it relates to bringing new partners in, in terms of lateral partner recruiting firms, bringing new partners in. What do you think some of the business development challenges are that these new partners face when moving to a new firm? And what do you think the marketing and BD professionals in the firm can do to help them? Oh, I think they can do so much. And I, I do think most of the really good firms have an onboarding process you know, mm-hmm. in place, which is great. But you need to be thinking about onboarding the client as well. And what does the client transition look like? And well, it should t- t- be- Tell me about that. What does that it, mean? Well, I mean, it, it's pretty scary <laughs> for a large corporation to find out that their partner in charge of XYZ is moving over to a new firm. I mean, you may have hired that partner because you love that partner, or you may have hired that firm because of their name. It depends. So, you know, hopefully the partner is self-aware and understands what what attracted that company to those services. Mm. But you have to make it clear that the transition will be smooth and that you will continue to work with them in such a way that, they're, you know, it's seamless, a complete transition. And the first thing I would do is create a calendar with that client, a co-development calendar, all the projects you've got going with them, what the timelines are, what deliveries are, who at the new firm is responsible for what, who is their single point of contact when they have an issue. And I would work with the marketing department. You know, If you've got a great, robust marketing and business development department, you've got some, some people that are in charge of client care. And you know, if you've got that, then you use those clients. You, you would immediately attach a client care person to the new client that's coming in with the laterals. It's key. And I've, I've seen partners back out of going on to it. I mean, I, I've been involved in some of this uh, with my consulting work. Mm-hmm. Where I've seen a partner back off from joining a firm because he didn't think he was going to get enough business development resources. It right. Just I get that. I get that. Yeah. yeah. And that's the reality is that if the business doesn't come over, it's going to be really hard for that partner to move. And if the firm doesn't have the resources to, like what I talked about with the client transition, mm-hmm. it's going to mitigate, it's, it's going to really lessen the likelihood of a favorable outcome for everybody. Absolutely. So you've got some innovative ideas, Brenda. I like how you think you have a good common sense way about you that makes sense and is proven, and it's you've got empirical evidence that your concepts make sense from your work. If we kind of wrap this up by talking about three action steps somebody would take to really go towards these concepts and ideas that you have, what would those be? Well, I would say if you're, if you're a lateral, if you're looking at it from, you know, I'm going into a firm and I'm not sure that they have all of these things, I would just uh, gather up some questions to ask the firm you know, number one, who is your CMO? <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. look at that person's background and is it all communications and branding or do they have some sales? And ask that CMO, do you have a service menu? You know, is there a playbook? 
and then ask about what technology are you using to track ROI, track pipelines, and what technology are you using to help service clients? Is it robust? And then determine, you know, when you make a lateral move over, those other people in that practice group, ask yourself, are they going to be open-minded? Are they going to accept somebody disrupting the status quo? You know, people talk about cultures and and how great their culture is. And what they sometimes mean is, we're not changing. (laughs) We're not going to be open-minded. We're not going to let you into our meetings. (laughs) And and the suggestions that you have, that can apply to anybody, even a partner that's not looking to leave his or her firm. He or she just wants to stay there but grow it. Talk to the CMO. Tell us about our service menu. I want to grow my book. I want to grow my practice. What can you do to help me? What software? What technology do we have? Right, right. And are we going to be open-minded about this? And I'll tell you some red flags. If all they talk about is getting an article placed in a magazine and all they talk about is the rankings and submissions and how wonderful the website is, that's a red flag. Right. That's yeah. that's somebody who just purely focused on branding, which all are important, but that is not that is not gonna in this competitive world what we're moving in, that's not gonna help you too much. Well, Brenda, you've got some great ideas. We're going to put all of your contact information on the show notes, but tell us again, what's kind of the menu of offerings? You mentioned some of these earlier, but what are the things that you want people to know about you uh, where you could help them if they wanted to email you or call you and talk to you today about taking action on these things? What's sort of the menu of offerings that you have? Sure. First of all, I can help you audit your existing business development process to determine if you have some of these things already in place. And if you don't, how can you get them? Secondly, I offer coaching constantly to you know senior associates and even partners, some senior partners, but even some of the younger partners who've just learned that you know life has changed for them. But right now I'm also giving an hour of free coaching to any associate who's been laid off due to the pandemic. So mm-hmm. I do want them to know that that uh, and, and if any firm is thinking about laying off associates and you need some kind of a coaching package to provide them as a as a perk, as a sorry, but hope, hope this helps you, I'm available for that as well. And then I also, I speak at retreats and, you know, I can do, I can do that virtually now with all the, the new virtual conferences that we're having, right. but I can speak on change and how you take your first steps towards being competitive and adopting some of the big, you don't have to adopt all of them, but adopting some of the big four processes and infrastructure that may help you down the line. That's great. Well, this is great, Brenda. I'm really glad I had you on as a guest. We'll have you on here in the future. You've got some great ideas. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.